you know, it's just wonderful to be here. It just is such a movement of the spirit. Uh, Russ is right. We we planned this months and months and months ago. And then, <clears throat> quite frankly, for the past week, I have been inundated with requests to do things. And I, I am delighted uh, that this is the one, uh, the one that I uh, really could do. Um, the book that Russ mentioned, um, I've been calling a prepackaged commission. Uh, it's it's a very interesting work. Um, I joke with people sometimes that uh, some of the essays will put you into a coma. Uh, it's an extremely um, uh, some of them are extremely difficult, but these these essays from 1974 to the present are essays that uh, were ignored by the International uh, Theological Commission when it prepared its 2002 uh, document, which is the latest document we have. So what I'm going to do is for uh, a few minutes, uh, about uh, about 20 minutes, 25 minutes, I'm going to talk to you about, uh, about uh, the topic, about what's been going on, uh, and then I'll be taking uh, questions. So, you know, um, it's really an interesting rock that the uh, Holy Father threw at the stained glass ceiling. Uh, <laughs> On the twelfth of uh, on the twelfth of, of May, you know, he was speaking in the Paul the Sixth Hall to nine hundred uh, members of the Union of International Superiors General. Those sisters are the heads of uh, religious communities of women uh, from around the world. And every three years, they gather in Rome and they have a big meeting um, <clears throat> in a meeting hall, actually south of Rome. But but then they asked if they could actually speak with the Holy Father, and so they went up to the Paul the Sixth Hall and presented him with prepackaged or pre pre-written questions. So uh, there was no surprise with what they were going to ask the Holy Father. And uh, and one of the questions I asked was about women deacons. And he said, well, I'm going to have a commission to study the question. And that, that's that's an interesting thing because he, he didn't say he was going to send it to the Curia. He didn't say he was going to ask the uh, Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith directly. He later did say he was going to ask them, they must have papers on this, you know, I'll see what they have. But he said he's going to establish a commission. And, of course, nobody knows. I don't know. Nobody knows what that commission is. Nobody knows what that commission will be charged with. Um, but the fact of the matter is, there were women ordained as deacons in the early church. That, that's an historical fact. That's done. That research is finished. What, the, what these women did, where they did it, how they became deacons, they've already been studied. The facts of history just can't be changed. They can be interpreted. So the real question, I think, that the Papal Commission is going to have to study is whether women can, at this point in time, be sacramentally ordained to the diaconate. That is, can women rejoin the ranks of what are now called permanent deacons? Uh, uh, now, the major objections, and this is important for you to know, the major objections to women uh, in the permanent diaconate are twofold. One, that women deacons of history only ministered to other women and didn't do what, what men deacons do. Uh, and secondly, that women cannot receive the sacrament of order uh, because the female gender cannot image Christ. Now, now before you all fall on the floor, I'll, I'll walk you through that. The historical <laughs> argument now is not dispositive in either direction. It, uh, you, can't, you can't burrow into history and, and pull out of it... Um, I think either either a yes or a no. It's it's easy to pull the yes uh, in this case, but the diaconate. Uh, the reason the, his, the historical argument doesn't doesn't uh, uh, cut 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 the mustard, as one might say, is because the diaconate is a creation of the church. If you look in Acts six one to six, um, it's it's a malleable ministry of service. 
the the apostles um, said said they they couldn't do it all, um, so they they asked uh, they asked for help. So that that's the that's the historical argument. The theological argument actually videates the the teaching that all are made in the image and likeness of God. And why is this? Well, because it's not the human male Jesus who is the sign and symbol of every sacrament. It is the risen Lord who is the sign and symbol of every sacrament. Now, with those two objections uh, floating around for the longest time, we find uh, that uh, uh, it's since the Second Vatican Council, actually, that women, uh, the point of bringing women into the diaconate has been discussed. Um, it, it, it recommended, as you know, in the Second Vatican Council, recommended the restoration of, fem- of male deacons, but not, um, not the restoration of female deacons. So we have a lot of documents. Uh, 1967, the first document came out, um, but it, what really caught the church's imagination uh, then is that uh, it was uh, the document said married men would be ordained as permanent deacons. Well, there's a whole notion of permanent diaconate then that's been being discussed for 50 years. What does it mean to be a permanent deacon? Um, well, there's one order of deacon. You know, the, the, there's some men are ordained as deacons, but only serve as deacons transitionally. So we have this this non non order of the transitional deacon. But but what happens is uh, a man who is uh, is uh, destined to priesthood is first installed as an, uh, a uh, that's what comes first. First installed as a lector, then installed as an acolyte, and then uh, ordained as a deacon, and then after anywhere from six hours to six months to a year uh, become is ordained as a priest so what happened at vatican ii was they broke open uh, the old cursus honorum the 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 route on the way to priesthood they broke that open and they said no no in the early church we had a permanent diaconate so to speak the deacon worked for the pre for the bishop and the priest worked for the bishop so so then as as the uh, Discussion went on in 1968. There were new rules uh, for new ordination rights on on all of the uh, the orders, uh, but but the one for for diaconal ordination said that there are only two things. There's matter and form, as you know, for a sacrament. The matter of diaconal ordination was the laying on of hands by the bishop. The form was the bishop's consecratory prayer, and that. That prayer had to include what's called nepoclesis, or an invocation of the Holy Spirit. Why is this important? Well, it's very important to me, because when you go back to history and you look at the liturgies, all the extant liturgies we have that were used for women include this epoclesis, include this invocation of the Holy Spirit. And uh, as as, uh, one of my colleagues says, it's really the Holy Spirit who does the heavy lifting in sacraments. So when you you have uh, this evidence, uh, it's evident that whatever was going on with the ordination of the men, the same thing was going on with the ordination of the women. So then you get to 1972, and you have more information, another document from Paul VI, this one suppressing the minor orders. You know, you, you first had to be a porter, then an exorcist, then a lector, then an acolyte, um, then a subdeacon, then a deacon, then a priest. Um, the interesting thing in this document is that he calls the subdiaconate, and it's well known, a major order. Why do I care? Well, because when you see in history listings of the orders, you have subdeacon, 
deaconess and then deacon, which means that even if you are using the term deaconess instead of woman deacon, in history it's appearing sandwich between two major orders. So so that that's another important piece of evidence. And and there are various linguistic arguments and distinctions that, that some argue that deaconess signifies a different order. Um, but the fact of the matter is, uh, in many cases, uh, women are, are, are termed deacons. Anna, in the 5th century, the deacon of Rome. You have some epigraphical evidence, tombstone evidence. You have literary evidence. So um, the term deaconess in, in history and in different times in different places in different languages, I don't think is really that that interesting or important in terms of arguing that the deaconess was a fourth non-ordained order. However, this is what Walter Casper and some others are arguing, that there was a never, women were never in the true order of deacon. They were an adjunct. Uh, they were a separate fourth, a non-ordained order, as I said earlier. So, um, so, that, so there is that. Uh, but, but today, uh, we try not to use the term deaconess, try to use the term uh, woman deacon or female deacon. You have male deacons and female deacons. You have man deacons and, and woman deacons. Um, and really, realistically speaking, I think you should just have deacons, you know. Uh, but the term deaconess, uh, uh, to me, just confuses, uh, confuses the issue. And, and when you think of it today, you know, um, you get on the plane, uh, everybody is a uh, flight attendant or a steward. There are no more stewardesses. Uh, you call a plumber and a woman shows up, you don't call her a plumberess. And certainly with doctors and actors, uh, actors are actors. There's no more actresses, really. So, so it's really a change in language that we're, we're talking about there, I think. Um, the real document about women, about deacons, is ad Pacendum, uh, which calls the diaconate an intermediate order. An intermediate order, quote, and I'll quote this here, between the higher ranks of the church's hierarchy and the rest of the people of God, as a sign or sacrament of Christ the Lord himself, who came not to serve, not to be served, but to serve. I think that's beautiful. Um, Christ the Lord himself, who came not to be served, but to serve. So the church understands deacons as servants, and this is very important because the church understands deacons are not priests. The church understands that deacons are servants who minister as intermediaries between the bishop and the people. And in fact, the women deacons of history were the intermediaries between the bishop and women. As Francis noted when he was talking to the UISG uh, women, among other duties, the women deacons attested to and brought spousal abuse claims to the bishop in addition to assisting with female baptisms and, and, and their other duties. So it's a fascinating uh, fascinating uh, look into history that they were uh, attesting to and, and helping actually women probably with annulments, um, if you think of it. Anyway, today the members of the Intermediate Order of Deacons serve the church. Um, and how do they serve the church? They serve the church through the Word, the liturgy, and charity. Deacons are catechists. Deacons are preachers. Deacons proclaim the gospel and they lead non-Eucharistic liturgies. Deacons are the face of the church's charity. They minister to the sick and to the poor. In the Mass, this is very important. Think about it now. The deacon is the go-between, the people of God, and in this case, the celebrant, um, the bishop or the priest. In the Mass, the deacon is the symbolic bridge between the celebrant and the people. In the Mass, only the deacon addresses the congregation directly. In the Mass, the deacon proclaims the gospel 
This is a formal mass, a big mass. Deacon proclaims the gospel, leads the prayer of the faithful, elevates the chalice, announces the final blessing, and dismisses the congregation. Now, what would that do? What would that mean if you saw this, a woman in a Dalmatic in St. Peter's Square doing these things, proclaiming the gospel, leading the prayer of the faithful, elevating the chalice? What would that say to the world about how the church feels about the status of women? What would that say to the world about the church's argument that we're all made in the image and likeness of God? I think it's an incredible opportunity that our church has to speak directly and 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 symbolically, uh, as well as indirectly and symbolically, to the problems around the world that women face. Uh, to the problems of FGM, to the problems of wife beating, to the promise, uh, problems of spousal abuse in, in many different ways, emotional spousal abuse, to the pro- problems of dowry burnings. There are so many problems uh, and ways that women are are uh, just put down uh, by the world. And and this is this is part of what uh, Archbishop Duroche mentioned, actually, uh, when he introduced uh, the the question of women deacons in October of 2015 at the synod. He said, he said women need to be um, be reclaimed. He didn't say this exactly, but it's my interpolation. It reclaimed as as full members of the church, as as full people, uh, as full people, as as fully uh, made in the image and likeness of God. And that 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 to me is is the bottom line of all of this. So most of what the deacon does, whether the deacon does it in the liturgy or in service is no longer restricted to men. You know, it, it's it's fairly well understood by now that, that asked after the council, um, Pope Paul VI asked either the entire International Theological Commission or one of its more prominent members about women deacons. Now, an Eastern liturgy expert, uh, Cipriano Bagagini, a Kamaldolese monk, um, he had published a dense, a really dense article um, about demonstrating about uh, that women deacons in the Greek and Byzantine traditions uh, were truly ordained uh, to the ministerial diaconate. That's one of the essays in my book. Actually, he had two essays uh, that I put out uh, in a smaller um, little yellow book out of liturgical press, which sold out a thousand copies immediately. Um, but we took those essays and we, we did more work on them, and they, they do appear in the in the new book um, there are two essays. There's a shorter one, which is a 1987 essay, and that 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 essay is actually his 1,500-word intervention before the 1987 Synod of Bishops at their request. And what he says is, you know, uh, women deacons uh, were truly ordained to a ministerial diaconate, and they had sacred duties. And he, and he saw no reason for women not to be admitted to all the sacred duties of deacons at the de- at that time. Um, the other essay is the 1974 essay that he published in Orientalia Christiana uh, Periodica, and it's it's uh, it's a complex essay, uh, but it's bulletproof. It's just an amazing amazing piece of work. Uh, another essay in the book, uh, Philippe Delay, who at the time was the general secretary of the International Theological Commission, he wrote an even stronger article, so strong uh, that we, we were a little concerned about including it in this book, but he wrote such a strong article supporting the sacramental ordination of women as deacons. But But at that time, nothing came from the International Theological Commission. So 
then where are we? We're in the 70s. Um, the debate is, is continuing. There, there were two books written uh, in the 1970s, one by Roger Grison, uh, who's a patristics professor at Leuven, and the other by a man named Marie Mort, who is uh, deceased now. He, he uh, was a professor of liturgical history. And they used identical sources for the research, uh, and they came to opposite conclusions. Grison, Grison or, argued that women could be ordained as deacons. Uh, Monty Mort argued they could not. But Monty Mort, who is, is the, the man quoted by, mostly by the International Theological Commission, but by anybody who is against women in the diaconate, Monty Mort said, that the case was not completely closed. Uh, so even even the uh, uh, the biggest uh, detractor uh, said it really wasn't a, a dead a dead deal. Uh, now, the problem with women as deacons is that academic and public debate uh, about women as priests took center stage. And uh, as you know, in 1980, uh, 1976, the International Theological uh, Commission published Interinsignores about the admission of women to the ministerial priesthood. And it, it's, it's a declaration now. It's, not, it's just a simple statement of the law, but it argued two theological reasons. One, that the church did not have the authority to ordain women as priests because Jesus chose only male apostles. This is known as the argument from authority. And the other is women cannot image Christ. That's known as the iconic argument. And then in 1994... Pope John Paul II put out an apostolic letter at Ordinatio Sacerdotalis, again ruling against women priests. Uh, and there were clarifications, as you must know, from the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith. And uh, the argument was that the ban was to be held definitively. But what's very important about the second document is that it drops the iconic argument. So in 1994, we find that uh, the argument against ordaining women to the priesthood, and one would say, therefore, ordaining women sacramentally, um, has dropped the iconic argument. It maintains the, uh, the uh, argument from authority. And that's important because to, to confect a sacrament, to perform a sacrament, to make a sacrament, you have to do as the church does. And the church is saying, the church does not ordain women as, as priests, and it has never ordained women as priests. Well, I say, well, fine. If 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 the only question you have, if the only problem you have about ordaining a woman as a deacon is you're afraid of a woman as a priest, well, then you either believe or you don't believe what the church says it teaches. Um, in any event, public calls for women priests drowned out the question of restoring women to the ordained diaconate. Um, so... But by 1992, the International Theological Commission created a subcommittee, eight men, to study the issue. Now, I've seen reports, and I've actually talked to members of the commission, who say that the ITC completed its work, produced a positive 17- or 18-page document, that that document was printed and numbered, but that the prefect for the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith at the time, Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger, refused to sign it. And what he did was he sent the question back to a reconfigured subcommittee, and the reconfigured subcommittee was headed by one of his former graduate students. So people have asked me, well, where is that document? Where is that document? Well, the member of the committee who told me about it said his copy was in the trash bin at Fumancino Airport. And, but I can't imagine that that document doesn't still exist in a file cabinet somewhere in the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. In any event... Um, 
as things went on, uh, we find that in 2001, uh, uh, a notification was coming along. And the notification is from three prefects of the Congregations for Doctrine of the Faith of Clergy and the Congregation for Divine Worship. And what they said was bishops should not prepare women for diaconal ordination because these prefects did not foresee women being ordained. That's a very, very curious kind of a, a document to come out, you know, out of the blue. Um, and what it seemed to have been responding to was that uh, German bishops or bishops in German-speaking countries were preparing women to be ordained as deacons, possibly, you know, understanding what the uh, uh, the finding was of the uh, uh, of the first committee. Anyway, uh, meanwhile, uh, back at the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, uh, between 1997 and 2002, um, there was the reworked ITC study document, no longer focusing solely on women deacons, and uh, it. It quadrupled the size of the first text, and it had three three points to to be made, and and these are quoted uh, very often. Number one, deaconesses, and they they use the term deaconesses. Deaconesses of history are not the same as deacons. Two, the distinction between the priesthood and the diaconate is underscored by the constant tradition of the church. And three, and this is a quote, it pertains to the ministry of discernment which the Lord established in his church to pronounce authoritatively on this question. That is the question of readmitting women to the ordained diaconate. It was originally published in French, written in French, and, and that's the first document I worked with. And within the recent past, it's also uh, been posted, and you can find it in English, German, Hungarian, Italian, Polish, Portuguese, Russian, and Spanish in the Vatican's webpage. Now, the study has some curious lapses in historical documentation. The study also includes multiple unsighted passages and paraphrase from an earlier book by one of the committee members, actually. His name is Gerhard Mueller. At the time, he was a university professor. He is now the prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. So, it's very important. The latest word from Rome on women in the diaconate uh, is not an apostolic letter. It's not an apostolic constitution. It's not a declaration. It's not a notification. It's a study document. It's the academic musings of a group of men headed by one of Cardinal Ratzinger's former graduate students. And it includes significant borrowed sections from a book by the current prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, who not incidentally is the editor of the complete works of Ratzinger. So, even so, okay, this, this most recent document uh, coming from the Curia says the question of women in the diaconate is, quote, up to the ministry of discernment the Lord has left the church to decide. Okay? Now, the diaconate and the priesthood uh, after that, so seven years later, uh, the diaconate and the, uh, the priesthood, really already clearly separated in, in general teaching, were further distinguished in 2009. Uh, Pope Benedict XVI modified canon law and the canon reads thusly, and I'll quote it, uh, as exciting as canon law is, this is important. Those who are constituted in the order of the episcopate or the presbyterate receive the mission and capacity to act in the person of Christ the head, whereas deacons are empowered to serve the people of God in the ministries of the liturgy, the word, and charity. 
Now, these ancient ministries, you know, carried carried forth by the believing church, can easily include women, and and this is precisely uh, the the question I think that the uh, the commission. Um, uh, should address the the question is not um, can women be ordained as deacons the question is not can women be ordained uh, because the only argument is is uh, that I've seen is that women cannot be ordained uh, because they their gender precludes the Holy Spirit from uh, granting them the grace and charism of order um, but so the question really is should the church restore women to the diaconate not can it and that reduces or redounds itself to does the church need women deacons so i think that's where the 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 discussion will be and um and i think it's something that uh, uh that we all need to talk about i, I think my my mission in life has has almost been to get us to talk about this um and 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 to trust in in the spirit of god the holy spirit uh to bring us to to a conclusion i think it's fascinating that that the uh, uh the announcement was made just before pentecost during the beautiful time between the ascension and pentecost and the beautiful readings from john that that followed uh, uh followed the uh, the uh, the announcement uh, of the commission so i think you know i've talked enough let me let me take your questions um because uh, otherwise we'll run out of time and you won't get a chance to talk let me questions i can't hear you very well hello Hello. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm here. <laughs> Does anybody have a question? Oh, I have a question. I have a it's question. Barbara Guerin. Oh, okay. Barbara Guerin. You... Yes, hello. Can you please tell me which canon it was that you quoted? Uh, one oh okay, one oh oh eight and one oh oh nine. I quoted. I think the second paragraph of one oh oh nine. Okay, cool. That's exactly what I wanted to know. Thank you, Phyllis. You look up. You know what? Look up Omnium in Mentum. Uh, Omnium in Mentum is a five-paragraph motu proprio promulgated by Benedict the Sixteenth in October of two oh oh nine, two thousand nine. And uh, it's very interesting because the first uh, first two paragraphs have nothing to do with with this, and I think it's the third and fourth paragraphs. So sandwiched in the middle of of uh, other items uh, are these uh, these uh, concerns and questions about the diaconate, and and clearly separating the diaconate and the priesthood. Okay, somebody great. else. I have a question. Um, this is Patricia Baumer in Minneapolis. Phyllis, you said that there were three uh, commissions uh, or three offices in 2001 that issued the notification. I got the CDF and the Congregation for Worship. And what was the third one? Clergy. Clergy. Thank you. Clergy. And and all of those, I looked up how old they are. All of those men, I think, are 89 right now. They're all retired, all the prefects. It's a four-paragraph notification. It was only written in Italian. It's translated in a footnote in, in one of my books. I, I don't know which one. Um, I can't remember right now. Uh, but it basically says, this is an interesting thing, because let me tell you, um, the around that time, 
the German-speaking countries, I think Austria, I, I, I'm not quite sure, were preparing women in the diaconate. I've only kind of heard half stories on this. Mm-hmm. But what I understand is that women were being prepared for the diaconate. Once this notification came out, um, the next thing that happens, within 10 months, you have seven women ordained uh, as Roman Catholic women priests on a riverboat in the Danube, and mm-hmm. they're all uh, German-speaking women. So I, my my understanding is that at least some of them were involved in the diaconal training, and then they shipped over to, uh, to the other movement. Um, so it's almost as if they... <laughs> The document, the notification. Now, a notification is is like parking regulation. All it is is a, you know, it's a it's a very low level. There are 32 levels right. of, of Vatican documents. This is a very low level of Vatican document, uh, but it it and it and it came out of nowhere. Uh, and I find it interesting because uh, I think Austria was the target, and uh, Schoenburn. Uh, Cardinal Schoenbern uh, is from Austria, and a lot of lot of movement in the German-speaking countries in Germany and in Austria uh, toward women deacons, and there still is. Uh, there, in my book, there's a uh, essay by Peter Hernemann, which, thanks be to God, he wrote in English, and we didn't have to get it out, you know, in German. But um, it, it's uh, there, there's really a lot more a lot more discussion than than you would know and a lot more advanced discussion uh, in Germany and the German-speaking uh, countries about women in the diaconate. Somebody else, please. Phyllis, this is Mike from Lakewood. Um, if you were going to refer us to any one resource, either one of the books that you've written or other material that kind of summarizes everything you were talking about this evening, where would you direct us to? Well, what I was talking about this evening um, will actually – most of it will appear in the National Catholic Reporter at some point. And I, I've been asked to write so many things, I'm confused about where and when it will appear. But I know the National Catholic Reporter will have a spread in the paper on women as deacons. In terms of a book, uh, a couple of years ago, I want to say 2011, Gary Macy, who's an historian, uh, Bill Deitwig, uh, who's a deacon of the Diocese of uh, Archdiocese of Washington, and myself put out a book called Women Deacons Past, Present, and Future. It's a little Paulus Press book. And it's uh, pub- if you're in from Australia or New Zealand, it's also published by Garrett in Australia and New Zealand. But Women Deacons Past, Present, and Future, Gary wrote the history, and it's very concise and compact history uh, with the references to the documents, to the conciliar documents, to some of the papal letters. Bill then wrote about uh, the, um, the Vatican II and the discussion in Vatican II about the diaconate. What is the diaconate? How, what are we restoring? And then my section was the future. Um, what what would be the future if women were ordained to the diaconate? Now, every bishop in the country um, received a copy of that uh, of that book, Women, Deacons, Past, Present, and Future. And actually, every bishop in the country last week received Women, Deacons, Essays with Answers. Um, but Women, Deacons, Past, Present, and Future is a... Is a uh, I don't want to say say simple, but it's 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 not as technical as some of the other things I have written. So, if in terms of a start, a starting uh, location, it would be um, that book, Women Deacons, uh, Past, Present, Future. In terms of the um, flat-out history of what's been going on, um, that would be the NCR article. And then also, it's very inter- if you can get a hold of uh, get from interlibrary loan if you, if you can't get the whole book, the introduction to this particular book, Women Deacons Essays with Answers, uh, goes over some of the materials that I discussed today in more detail because I explain the 
history of of each of the essays and and how the uh, the ITC uh, had the reconfigured committee and where these essays came from. You see, these essays, um, Mike, are the essays that uh, we found in footnotes to the um, ITC 2002 document in dismissive footnotes. You know, we're not paying attention to Corrado Marucci. We're not paying attention to Philippe Delay. We're not paying attention to uh, 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 Cipriano Vagagini. So we went and found what they weren't paying attention to. And and so I have, a, as I said, a little prepackaged commission for the Holy Father. And we've sent a copy of the book to the Holy Father. I never know if he gets any of the books I send him, but, you know, we send them. So exactly. do you have another question? <laughs> a big question, yeah. All right, thank you. Thank you, Mike. Um, hi, Phyllis. This is Louise Lears from Cincinnati. Um, you mentioned that the, the question you'd really like to see this the commission discusses, does the church need women deacons? And I'm wondering if you were on that commission, how would you make that argument? Well, anything that the church does is to, to focus on the needs of the church. And, and by the needs of the church, I don't mean the church, the hierarchy. I mean the people of God. And I, I, I was at a big conference, um, I actually keynoted a big conference at the University of St. Michael's uh, University of Toronto, uh, a week ago on May 6th and uh, the next day there were really seven spectacular scholars talking about this um, but what what came about was uh, were a couple of uh, points uh, such as you as, as you as you described first of all as I said the history's done I mean it's over the history and the theology are, are finished we know we can ordain women as deacons we know women were deacons uh, period. Okay. So, what does the church need, um, and how would I argue it? Well, I think I think that the church deserves the ordained ministry of of women. Um, when I go to see bishops, I say, look, you know, your 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 choice is either you train, ordain, and give faculties to the women who are working for you, or you don't. Uh, and if you don't, then you're going to f see more women, but you're going to see the backs of their heads as they continue to walk out of your churches because they're not hearing a woman's voice. They're not, not seeing a woman symbolically um, uh, represented in, in the liturgy, and they're not being formally and, and, and spiritually ministered to by, uh, um, by you, Bishop. Uh, I went to see one bishop, actually a cardinal, and I and I said to him, you know, I've just uh, come from visiting my spiritual director, and she blessed me on my way to see you, but it wasn't your blessing, and that bothers me. And he knew immediately, because really all ministry, formal ministry in the church flows from the bishop. Now, we can have other discussions about that, and lay ministry is also a part of the Episcopal ministry, but, but the way the church thinks... Uh, there is a distinction between people who are clerics or part of the, you'd almost say officer corps, and people who are not. And uh, I, I think that to have the ability for a woman to stand up uh, in revested and render a blessing uh, would be a very big thing. And I think that's the need of the church. I think women need to see that. And, and more than that, the world needs to see it. As I said during the presentation, my goodness, my goodness, I draw a direct line, a direct line between the church not restoring women to the ordained diaconate, not having women uh, symbolically present in the liturgy, and the problem of the way women are treated. 
uh, we had wonderful news today that one of the Boko Haram girls was found just by chance, by happen chance. But there's still over 200 missing. What does it What does it mean that that the world can still watch women being treated this way? It's it's terrible. Um, and 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 what is the argument against us? What is the argument against women being ordained? The argument against being or, women being ordained. As I was told uh, on when I debated a member of the ITC uh, at a seminary in Philadelphia, I was told, well, women can't image Christ. That's a terrible thing to say. It's a terrible thing. I can't image Jesus. Okay, I'll, I'll grant you that. But the sign and symbol, as I said in the presentation, the sign and symbol of every sacrament is the risen Lord. And that is what we need to see. We need to see Christ in everybody. We need to see Christ in the male and in the female. I wrote in one of my books, when, when God is male, um, when, when, when God is male, the male is God. And, and that is the problem, I think, that we face world over. So, so the need of the church is to regularize the whole world's understanding of the dignity of women and, and, to, uh, uh, and to support that. I get very exercised on that. Sorry. Another question. <laughs> no, <laughs> Maria, yeah, is that okay? No, yeah. <laughs> somebody else. There's got to be somebody out there. I know there are other people out there. There are people in Wisconsin, in, in Minnesota, in California, Nevada, Ohio, Kentucky, New York, North Carolina, California, Colorado. We have another question. So. Phyllis, this is Deb. Um, I wanted to ask a question about um, the, this difference between deaconesses and deacons. Now, I noticed that, it, that Hooneman, I mean, even when a text actually says itself female deacons, he still refers to them as deaconesses. So can you talk just a little bit more? Because I think there's like a, a, a sense that this is a troubling uh, way to talk about it as if it could mean that women weren't fully ordained. So can you talk a little bit more about those, the use of those terms? Yeah, well, it goes both ways. I did not touch uh, Heinemann's uh, uh, writing, which I think is 1984, if I recall. Um, and in the East, the term deaconess, in Eastern Orthodoxy, the term deaconess is still used to, for women deacons. Um, the 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 troubling notion is that Walter Kaspar and others have brought this forward and used the term deaconess for the non-ordained fourth order. So does Sarah Butler, um, who was the uh, former member of the ITC. And it's kind of a convention that, that uh, we've, we've decided on almost uh, to say, well, where we can uh, we want to make sure that we're we're talking about women deacons uh, or or female deacons. We're talking about people who are sacramentally ordained, and when we're talking about deaconess going forward, um, we're talking about that other proposal. Uh, Casper has actually said, "Well, why do they need to be ordained? They can already do everything that deacons can do." Well, you know, he misses the point completely. Um, that that going forward, it's it's better, I think, to talk about women deacons. But in Eastern Orthodoxy, I will tell you, and I saw something uh, by Callistus Ware today. He, they talk about deaconess, and and they mean the same thing. Uh, so so in 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 certain certain. Um, Discussions they they mean the same thing. In other discussions, it's used as a pejorative by by in current terms, you know. Uh, and the other thing that's confusing about it is, you know, a deaconess is also used for the wife of a deacon, 
uh, in history. So you can, and she may not be an ordained person. So, so there is that uh, as well. Okay. I hope that totally confused you. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it does help. It does clear up, clear it up a little bit. I think I just think the better way is to go and talk about women deacons or female deacons, and and yeah. to, to make sure Absolutely. we understand we're talking about an ordained uh, order. Somebody else was coming Absolutely. in there. Okay. Hello, Phyllis. Yeah, this is yeah. Phyllis. I was. Um, this is Patricia again. With yes. uh, word first broke of last Thursday's gathering with the uh, International Union. There was much celebrating, and then the subsequent refinement saying that, of course, women could not preach during Mass, and then again, because they could not um, have Persona Christi. And I wondered about the contradiction between male deacons preaching and um, female deacons preaching. You know, I read the whole transcript, and he talks about uh, it's, he talks about celebrating the Eucharist, and he talks about in persona, really talking about in persona Christi Capitis Ecclesiae, in the person of Christ, the head of the church, right. and that's what all the documents define the priesthood as. So, and 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 the other part of it is that uh, the law uh, for preaching is, or the law about preaching in the mass is that only a cleric who participates in the mass can do the preaching in the mass. So, I think he's. He's really not, wasn't thinking it through. Um, as the Pope, he's not going to have a lot of opportunity to have deacons preaching. He's, he was a bishop for a long time, probably didn't have a lot of opportunity to have bishops preaching. But realistically speaking, the, the deacon, if he's given faculties, uh, or she's given faculties by her bishop, uh, the deacon uh, who participates in a Mass as the deacon in the Word uh, can preach, uh, can preach at that Mass. So, so I think he was uh, he was right and he was wrong because the priest acts in persona Christi Capitis Ecclesiae, whereas the deacon works in persona Christi Servi, uh, and that's as I right. said earlier is is clarified with 1009 uh, with that with that clarification of that canon. There's also a male voice coming trying to get in there. We we don't want to miss him. Phyllis, uh, this is Clyde Christofferson from uh, Virginia. Uh, going forward, uh, what do you rate the the uh, differences between going forward as we appear to be going forward, sort of within the existing framework, looking at the history and pulling out this piece and that piece, um, or or do you think that we're going to have to face the assumption that uh, going forward means that we can't contradict anything that has gone before? Um, the reason I ask the question is, is that uh, if you go back to St. Augustine and his notion of the book of nature, uh, in the last 50 years, the book of nature has has showed us that uh, the way God is doing things very much deals with changes in our frames of reference, which are not the same thing as reality. I mean, I read Francis is understanding that in paragraph 36 of his most recent exhortation when he talks about um, uh, idealizations. So he understands that, that there's a difference between our conceptions of things and the reality. But I wonder the extent to which we're likely in the, in the future here to, to face that 
question and come to the conclusion that we can indeed, as a church, come to a different frame of reference without having to contort our existing frame of reference to get to justice. Yeah, I'm not quite sure I follow you, but I think I think there are two points here. One is mimetic theory, but the other is uh, the other is the, uh, the the question of of culture, and and the fact of the matter is, Clive, if 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 the Holy Father says, yeah, I, my commission says that uh, um, women were ordained, women can be ordained, and uh, uh, and I feel that the church, if the church needs women ordained uh, as as deacons, um, ask me. So then, what would happen? Well, well, the same thing would happen as you did with the uh, male diaconate. Uh, the Episcopal Conference would have to get together. You know, in Ireland, it's only in the past 10 years that the Episcopal Conference of uh, the bishops of Ireland asked for uh, male deacons. So the, the Episcopal Conference would get together, ask for male deacons. Then, then what happens? Well, the next thing is each individual bishop would need to uh, make a determination within his context whether he uh, needed deacons, number one, and two, if he needed male and female deacons. Now, I, I can tell you that I think bishops in, in Latin America and South America would, would ask for female deacons in a minute. Um, bishops in, in other parts of the world might not. Um, only half the bishops in the Republic of in Ireland, uh, not just the Republic, in all of Ireland, um, have deacons. Some of them tell me that they only have... Um, they don't have deacons because they can't have female deacons, and some of them say they don't have deacons because they don't know what to do with them. So I, I think that the uh, I don't know specifically what you know paragraph 36 in the Morris Laetitia says, but but I think that what what we are um, uh, what we are facing is uh, is a time in our culture where discussion, public discussion, is easier. Um, and sometimes less informed, but also we have a, uh, a bishop of Rome, a Holy Father, who, like a good Jesuit, is saying, bring out all the facts, have a discernment, have a, have a conversation, a public conversation, and, and make a decision. And, and that's, that's really what, what is going on here. I, I don't want to get off topic, but Amoris Laetitiae is uh, is an interesting document, in, uh, extremely interesting document, um, because it it's not a um, it's not a set of rules. It's it's more a discernment on the questions approaching our time and our culture about the family and about uh, uh, about how the family uh, is inserted in 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 Christianity in the Christian life and in the church. So. So I think that the same discernment uh, would be coming from whatever commission the Holy Father would establish. Um, how would uh, women deacons be inserted um, within uh, the Christian life of the church, um, within the parish, within within the diocese, uh, within the Episcopal Conference uh, context, uh, and within the world? Um, and, and I... Uh, you know, you have to trust the Holy Spirit to to make the determination. I I I I wouldn't uh, I I I couldn't say one way or the other what would happen. Thank you. I think that uh, maybe the Holy Spirit in that discernment might conclude that there's no meaningful distinction between the diaconate and the priesthood, and that the, the, whole, the whole thing should should uh, go. 
in terms of your well, not exactly. Honest to goodness, no, not exactly. Because the first of all, you had you had the apostles, and the apostles realized, as I said earlier, in Acts six one to six, you can't. They could do everything. Pope Pope Francis said this to the assembled bishops in Philadelphia in in twenty in October of uh, September of twenty fifteen. So you you have this need for service, and the diaconal ministry is one of service. The diaconal ministry, the deacons always handle the treasury. The de- if you went to church, when you went to church, you brought your chicken, you brought your egg, whatever your gift was to the people of God in your in your community. You brought a dollar, you brought wine, you brought bread. The 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 procession of the deacons actually at the offertory of the mass, which we still have vestiges of today, was to bring the gifts to the altar, and and. Some of the gifts, the bread and the wine, became the very stuff of Eucharist that was returned as the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Now, at the end of the Mass, on your way out, if you had a bad day and you needed a dollar or you needed some wine or you needed a, a blanket, you got it from the bishop, from the, uh, from the deacon. And the last person online uh, to get his pay for the day was the priest. Now, the, the, that's how, really, I think, because the, pre, the deacon there symbolically is extremely uh, powerful right in that moment, archdeacons and deacons became extremely powerful um, as the church uh, progressed. And then the priesthood came along as a, a you know, kind of a, another issue. Priests, priests really aren't, aren't talked about much um, for the first several centuries uh, because you have bishops and then you have, you have deacons. So, in fact, we have 64 popes who were never... Um, they were never priests. They were deacons, and then they became priests. So um, I can't. I can't really see, given the the accretions of of theology over the years. I can't. I can't really see um, the collapsing of the priesthood and the diaconate. I just can't. Um, I, I I think that that uh, these are separate and distinct um, vocations. Um, I think the diaconate deserves to become more. Um, more more forcefully present in the church. Sometimes I think it's the deacon who really should have the full-time job and not the priest. The, the priest should be the part-time workers, but but that's a whole other discussion. Sure. Thanks. Thank okay, you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone. We are running up against the clock here. It's 9.02. I, I want to thank you for uh, all of your wonderful questions. And if you have any other questions or comments, uh, you can certainly direct them to me via email. That's russ at futurechurch.org, R-U-S-S at futurechurch.org. Thanks again, Phyllis, for being with us uh, and, and offering just an incredible store of information that you have in your head that, that uh, it always amazes me that uh, the, the wonders of God, that someone can, can retain all of what you have <laughs> Uh, in, in your mind, and uh, to be able to share it with us is, is such a great gift. Anyhow, I do have a, a couple of announcements. I want to draw everyone's attention once again to uh, a website that Future Church has developed. It's www.catholicwomendeacons.org. That's catholicwomendeacons.org. There's also a link to it on the Future Church homepage. But if you go there, it's a, it's a website that has been uh, dedicated to the topic of uh, restoring uh, women deacons. And uh, two things that I just want to call your attention to in particular are that we've established or set up a, a section of that page that we're calling Commission Watch. 
And there we are struggling to stay up to date with all of the information that's coming out, all the views, all of the uh, opinions, all of the articles. Um, but we're, we're getting as much as we can up there, and we're going to continue to watch any of the breaking news that comes out of this commission uh, regarding its formation, who's on it, uh, what they're doing. And we're going to keep you all up to date there, and that's at CatholicWomenDeacons.org. Uh, if you go there, it's right on the home page. You just click, and it'll take you right to that section of the web page. Uh, also, um, there's a portion of that site uh, for profiles. Uh, you can access that through the main menu at the very top of the page. Uh, you'll see a link there that says Profiles. You can click on that, and you'll be able to read the profiles of Natalie, Connie, and um, Cynthia, who all uh, presented last time on their call to the diaconate. Uh, our, our friend Luke Hansen uh, is also up there as a supporter of ordaining women to the diaconate. And so you can read uh, some, some of their story and get a little bit of their, their biographical information. But underneath each of those pro profiles, you'll also see a button that says your profile. And we urge you, if you feel comfortable, to please click on that button and uh, it'll take you to a forum where you can tell us a little bit about yourself, your own call to the diaconate. And um, I think this is one way of accomplishing exactly what Phyllis uh, has said that this commission ought to take up, is why the church needs women deacons. Um, and uh, by telling about how you came to, to understand and, and, um, and attempt to respond to in, in, the, in the most creative, most faithful way you can, your, your diaconal call, um, that, that helps to carry on that conversation. So uh, if you would, we would love to, to, to have your profile up on the page. So that's CatholicWomenDeacons.org. You can go there. You'll get all sorts of information and uh, good history, links to books, links to articles. Um, it's, it's just a great website with a lot of resources. During her presentation, uh, Dr. Zagano talked a little bit about um, Gary Macy, uh, and we are happy to announce that Gary Macy will be joining us on June 22nd at 8 p.m., the same time as this teleconference. That's June 22nd. And he's going to be talking on a number of different um, topics, but one of those topics is going to be on what the meaning of ordination was in the early church and how and when and why the meaning of ordination changed and why we stopped ordaining uh, women into the diaconate. So it's going to be a very fascinating conversation. He's written an entire book on this, uh, written several articles on it, and you're going to be able to get all of his knowledge in an hour. Um, I shouldn't say all of his knowledge, but, uh, but you'll be able to get the, the, the knowledge, the essentials uh, and from the comfort of your own living room. So that's June 22nd at 8 p.m. with Gary Macy. If you go to futurechurch.org slash Macy, M-A-C-Y, futurechurch.org slash Macy, you'll be able to sign up uh, for that teleconference there. Um, Finally, in light of the news that Pope Francis has 
is, is going to be establishing this commission. As you all know, Future Church has really been pushing this issue, uh, been real leaders on this issue, and bringing it out into the public, bringing it to our bishops, bringing it to parishes. And so your support at this time is, is needed more than ever uh, to, to see this through to the home stretch. And uh, certainly there's so much hope uh, in, this, in this moment. And we would like to, to keep that, that, that hope going. So if you, if you can, we would love to, to, to have you uh, join us by becoming a member or, or, make, or, or making a donation. You can do that uh, at our website, futurechurch.org. Uh, no amount too small uh, and certainly no amount too big. Um, but we would love to have your support. It's things like this these teleconferences, uh, the Women Deacons Retreat that we'll be hosting in September, um, the Commission Watch, the, the womendeacons.org, and a survey that we're putting together uh, that, that, that you'll want to be on the lookout for, exploring um, women deacons and, and who's out there, who feels called, who are they, uh, why do we need women deacons, how would the church benefit from having women deacons we're in the midst of developing that, that survey right now with some, some great people and some great sociologists, and we'll be putting that up soon. And it's work like that that, that your, your support helps uh, become a reality. So we thank you. If you have uh, been a member, if you have don- donated, and if you haven't, we, we ask you to prayerfully consider doing that.